came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Good morning, New York. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. A great show for you this morning. We have Governor David Patterson that's going to speak about what's going on in our city and our state. We have Congressman Peter King that's going to give you his view of things. Al D'Amato, he is upset about what's going on in Washington. And we have Angelo Vivolo, a director for the Columbus Foundation, running the Columbus Day Parade on Monday morning. And he'll tell us about it. It'll be a beautiful day. Let's start off with... Michael Stoller talking to us about real estate in New York. Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. Today I have Mr. Residential Real Estate, we'll call him, the man who knows what's going on in the residential rental for sale market in New York City. His name is Joe Kosum. He's a founder and a managing director at New York Multifamily, a division of Marcus and Miller Chap. Joey also had the title of One Cap, but One Cap is no longer really happening in New York, so he has to get out of the One Cap and change it to Five Cap for the people who understand what Cap is. I don't know is. if it's Five Cap either right now. Great okay. to see you, Michael. Thank Great. you for having me. Let's talk about HSTPA, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act, what, what, what it had on effect in 2019 and today. Well, Michael, you said it best. Uh, my name is, you know, the nickname is gone uh, after 2019 with the rent law that was passed. Uh, that really prohibits owners from uh, raising rents and also prohibits tenants uh, from getting quality housing because of uh, what was passed in that law. And uh, that law of 2019 was uh, uh, detrimental to the New York City housing market, uh, mainly because uh, property owners, where they have taxes and insurance and all different expenses going up, do no longer have the ability to um, increase rents, uh, increase income, and uh, rent uh, and rent their rent their properties. So uh, before there was a lot of incentives given, including MCIs, uh, major capital improvements to properties, uh, which that refers to, and uh, that was taken away. Now, uh, with regard to that, there was something called warehousing of apartments. Mm-hmm. Let's explain that. So a lot of the owners decided to hold the units offline uh, because the the units required a lot of work, and in order to uh, to um, bring the units up to code, um, they have to spend money. But there was no incentives given because they can no longer raise rents. Um, and with those rent laws caused a lot of uh, issues within, uh, within the organization. Uh, uh, and CHIP and RSA uh, has teamed up to uh, challenge those laws. And that's what's happening at the end of the month. We're going to hear f- about the Supreme Court case. If they're gonna Let's talk up. a little yeah. bit about the Supreme Court case. What is their position on this? So it's uh, unconstitutional what's happened. It's a taking of property and uh, a private property. Um, so um, it was uh, in the district court in, the, uh, uh, in, in, New York, in New York, and it got uh, taken out, and uh, now is um, being tried in Supreme Court. We're hoping that it'll be picked up at the end of the month. Uh, we feel pretty 
positive because uh, there's been a lot of amicus briefs from the lobby groups uh, submitted on behalf of CHIP and RSA, more than ever in the history that we've ever seen before the Supreme Court. And we're getting a lot of national support. So we think that th there's uh, this Supreme Court has the best chance of uh, getting this through, and uh, you know we'll see what happens at the end of the month. I'm getting a lot of calls from owners saying that I want to buy rent-stabilized buildings again because of the hope that things will change. It, it moved too far, and uh, it's time things have to change. So where, where are we in the sales cycle today? Um, it's no longer one caps. Uh, there's property selling. Um, it, uh, it's uh, unfortunately a lot of owners uh, got hurt from the rent laws. Uh, obviously, there were some uh, impacts during COVID, and then interest rates, right? Interest rates are the biggest topic uh, besides the rent laws in New York City as it relates to multifamily buildings because a lot of those debt maturities have now uh, uh, expired uh, or coming due, and where rates were three and a quarter, three and a half, now you're north of 6%. So that has a big impact in values, and owners have a lot of tough decisions to make in terms of what to do with their properties because it requires more capital to be invested in the property uh, in order to keep it afloat. And that's, you know, cash and refis, and, uh, and and it's obviously impacting values. So we're seeing that firsthand, and owners are coming to us uh, for advice and what they could do to get out uh, now before their loan comes due. So what are you recommending in these difficult days? Every situation's a little different. Um, some of these lenders are a little bit more aggressive than others. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously some of the lenders also disappeared, and that's also made it challenging uh, in the market for property owners uh, in terms of moving forward on refinances and acquisitions. So foreign buyers, you have a lot of capital coming in, new capital coming in. You know, everyone that fled New York uh, it can't, is coming back, and we're seeing a lot more capital coming in from uh, the uh, owners that went into the garden-style southeast markets and into those type of assets. Right, everybody was abandoning yeah. New York City, going to the Midwest yeah. and the South. And, and, now, and now New York looking great with the rent growth, you know, over 6%. Um, you know, things feel better. The energy's here. People are back to the office for the most part, you know, maybe not Mondays and every Friday, uh, but you feel Midtown's different and uh, it feels better. Um, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of foreign capital come in, seeing New York as an opportunity. And we're seeing uh, other groups as well. When we were talking the other day, you mentioned there's concessions. Surprising. Not in all markets. And it's, you know, it's coming out of a hot summer months, uh, but you're starting to see it a, a little bit. Uh, however, um, you know, it got so inflated, um, so it had to cool off a little bit, but um, occupancy and, and rents are still high. Which boroughs uh, are Manhattan's still the leader, especially yeah, since Brooklyn, you're Malkin? Yeah, but Brooklyn is uh, still strong, especially Williamsburg and other, you know, Brooklyn Heights, Dumbo. You know, you're still seeing strong rents and strong uh, growth there and uh, a lot of trades. Listen, vol volume's down 70% this year, um, but... There is more action today, and we're getting a lot of deals done with assumable debt, seller financing, um, and that's been you know kind of uh, increasing the activity of the What about market. the private equity firms? They're back. Uh, the institutional money on the larger deals that dried up, but it's starting. They're starting to look again. The biggest thing is the political risks of New York, uh, and that's why a lot of people left. But now it's starting to come back because with hope that things will get better. I'd like to thank Joey Cosum, otherwise known as Joey One Cap. Yep. But he's going to get new hats because it's You're the Joey the Six one. Cap. Yeah. Thanks for being here today on Thank the Stover Report. Me. Appreciate bye bye. it. With us today is former Governor uh, David Patterson. 
And uh, he has some things to say about what's going on in our city, our state, our country. Uh, Governor Patterson, what's going on? And even outside our country this morning, uh, John, we have a mayor, Eric Adams of New York City, going to uh, four uh, countries south of the border. Uh, it started with Mexico, and um, they are he's advising immigrants not to come to the country and but, you know, when you're trying to negotiate, you have to be bringing something. And I don't know what he's bringing them to not come to the country when the opportunity for them to come to the country is there at this particular time in, in, in the droves that we're feeling in the cities all around this country. Now, meanwhile, uh, the same day that he departed, uh, President Biden now is talking about strengthening the borders and some of the things that I kind of thought he would have done after the midterm election, that's when President Clinton turned his uh, drooping poll numbers around in 1995. And by 1996, President Clinton won going away against Senator Robert Dole. But uh, to do this now, uh, I, I don't know what the, the political implication of it is, but it does open the door now for what a lot of uh, senators and Congress members have been talking about in uh, Congress and a congresswoman from uh, Florida, Maria Elvira Salazar, uh, she said on Thursday that really, in the end, the administration is not even the source of the problem, that it's Congress itself, that they've got to sit down and work out some agreements. And uh, when asked if she's going to talk to Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan, the two Congress members who are fighting to become speaker, she said that. She's going to bring these issues to their attention, but she said that the Republican Party has to be responsible. It's just not about blaming the Democrats or saying that uh, this latest Biden move is a political stunt, which she said it is. But that it inadvertently opens the door for more conversation down there. So that's a kind of an interesting um, situation uh, to uh, to address as well. And so it's it's been a, <laughs> a pretty exciting week in the uh, world of politics. Well, Governor, is in my imagination, but the interview I did with uh, President Bill Clinton last week, uh, and he came up with some common sense solutions, that uh, some of that leadership uh, was followed by uh, some of the Democratic Party on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Well, he is, and I think people from both parties respect the fact that he's an incredible thinker, he's a, he's a, and he's a strategic thinker, and he comes up with uh, ways to make things work. As I pointed out before, he was dead to rights. Uh, they thought uh, President, that, that uh, Senator Robert Dole was the president in waiting in 1995, and uh, Clinton, he did the, uh, uh, you know, federal reforms for uh uh, first, Social Security, and then also, um, uh, the, you know, uh, realigning the welfare system nationally, and, and uh, that. And his comments, I'm really surprised more Democrats don't use them because they reflect the Democratic Party of John F. Kennedy, of Lyndon B. Johnson, um, of Jimmy Carter when he was in office, and Bill Clinton. You know, the, at no time did any of them go on a, a uh, you know, just like an escapade to start doing a whole lot of things that hadn't been done before. And we wound up in a position where 
uh, right now, the three biggest problems in this country would ha- you'd have to assume are what are we going to do about the Ukraine? Uh, what are we going to do about um, uh, inflation? And basically, uh, what are we going to do about government spending? Those are the problems. And uh, and uh, on your show, he addressed all of them. Yeah, it, it just um, uh, it, it just it was incredible that uh, he's one smart guy, and I I respect him, and I think a lot of people in both parties still respect him. Uh, what else would you like to to talk about? Uh, we got a big mess in Washington. We got a big mess in Albany. Uh, I mean, everybody, everybody's walking around uh, saying that the the crime is down, but does that really reflect that the, the police officers don't really want to make the arrest? Well, the crime is down, but the crime is continuing, and as I've said before on this show, it isn't contained to high crime communities, it can happen anywhere. And uh, just about a week ago, there was a young man, very um, uh, activist, a social justice person out in Brooklyn, and he was uh, slain with a knife right in front of his girlfriend at four o'clock in the morning while they were sitting on a bench uh, by a, uh, an insane person that was destroying um, motorcycles that were parked there. And when he, um, when they noticed him, he came over and stabbed the, the uh, poor gentleman from that area. And when you hear about these types of situations, you, you can't feel any better. Numbers aren't going to make you feel better. You, you kind of know when things are better in, in, in terms of the crime rate. And, and we've been through the ups and the downs before. And right now is not a place that I think too many New Yorkers feel particularly safe. Not that... Um, the leaders aren't trying and not that there haven't been some positive results, but I think it's a little early to claim victory. <coughs> I understand. And uh, I agree with you. Um, the other thing that uh, I've heard uh, uh, Albany saying that things are okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, especially with, with, with the budget, but, me and you, I think we know that uh, we think they're going to be short. And uh, uh, are people moving in? Well, no. The tax receipt <laughs> going back to April on a monthly basis ha- have been less and less. So says the controller of the state of New York, Tom DiNapoli. Now, it's one thing to say things are okay. It's another thing. To, to find out that how much can they stay okay with that uh, dwindling amount of resources that you would have to try to combat a deficit. And I get the feeling that we're about to fall into a deficit because our um, tax collections are not nearly the way they were projected. And uh, just this week, they changed the name of a train station in Rensselaer, Albany, to uh, the to Joe Bruno, uh, the late uh, uh, majority leader of the Senate, who was a good friend of mine, and I spoke there. And as I was talking to people up there, they were kind of saying that, you know, we've got to be a lot more rational and a lot more um, 
just honest about financially where our state is. And in that respect, everybody's going to have to, as we have in the past, kind of join hands and, and try to fight it. But to, um, to look up at the sky and say that the, you know, everything is fine is, is not really a, a good theory that is going to lead to a good solution. No, one of these days we're going to hit the wall, and I, I agree with you. Uh, anything else you want to tell the world uh, of America? Well, um, you know, this is a pivotal point now. You have a speaker's race in Congress last Sunday uh, while you were on the air. Uh, the uh, speaker, Kevin McCarthy, was saying, bring it on. Well, they brought it on, and now he's out, and there are a couple of uh, – people trying to take his place. But what I like about this whole situation, if there's anything to like about it at all, is that there's going to have to be a little more bipartisanship. Everyone's going to have to give a little in this particular situation because our country's faced with a lot of problems. And there was a terrible uh, bombing in a territory that had just been taken over by the Ukrainians on Thursday, 51 people killed. And a lot of people are saying that that was Putin reacting to the fact that there's a little bit of a breakdown in the leadership of this government. And we've got to get it together because um, uh, as much as I was talking about Congresswoman Salazar criticizing uh, the president for his recent actions, she did say that we have to support Ukraine. And if we don't, we're going to find out what the Cubans found out what the people in Crimea found out and what the people in Russia found out when they supported these types of governments in their early stages. Well, Governor David Patterson, thank you so much for speaking out and, uh, and telling the American people the truth, all New York is the truth, and, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you so much, John. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us today is former Congressman Peter King. So many things are happening in Washington. And, and Congressman King, he's the expert of Long Island, New York, the, the world, he, and Washington. And he was on the uh, Intelligence Committee, and he knows what's going on. Uh, no, Homeland Security, I meant. Uh, Congressman King, what the hell is going on in Washington? It seems like uh, everything has come to a standstill. Yeah, actually, John, I was on intelligence at Homeland Security, so I sort of saw it from both ends. Uh, what's going on? It's great to be with you this Sunday morning. Uh, what's happening in Washington is, I, I think it was disgraceful. Uh, it might be you know, interesting for people to look at it. They find it maybe entertaining. But in the, in the 200 and something years that our country has been in existence, we have never removed a speaker from office on, on a motion like this. It was never been done. It was tried once in 1910, and it failed. And there's a reason for that. The speaker is number two in line to be president of the United States. There's the president, the vice president, and the speaker. The speaker has enormous power. And, and to me, uh, it's important to maintain traditions and customs. And the custom is that once a speaker is elected by the party, that that party will stand behind him and that uh, he, he or she will represent the party and also, as a speaker, represent the entire House of Representatives. In this case, if you can have four or five people, because here we have Matt Gates, I guess it was a total of eight Republicans, including Matt Gates, they said that Kevin McCarthy was not conservative enough. 
that he was elected. He, is, he had the support of 96% of Republicans supporting Kevin McCarthy. But these eight malcontents, they got together with all of the progressive Democrats. Now, these are eight people from the far right wing of the Republican Party allying themselves with progressive Democrats. They don't agree on any issues at all with each other. And yet they, they got together to knock off Kevin McCarthy. I don't blame the Democrats for this, but it's a dangerous precedent that a handful of people in, in, the, in the majority party can bring down the, the, the duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. Kevin McCarthy was doing the best job anyone could do. I mean, the Democrats control the White House. The Democrats control the Senate. Kevin McCarthy had a four- or five-seat margin in the House of Representatives. And I think he did an excellent job, especially considering all that he was up against and in his own party. I mean, what gave New York, what gave the Speaker his majority were the members of Congress from New York. These were races they were not expecting to win. And yet you had four seats on Long Island. You had uh, two seats, one in Rockland County and one from Mark, Mark Molinaro. And those six were the ones that gave the uh, country the majority, now uh, the Republicans the majority. Now, those six Republicans have different views, let's say, from somebody from rural Mississippi or Alabama, somebody from Montana or Wyoming. So it was up to Kevin McCarthy to sort of meld it together to find issues that everyone could agree on to keep the majority and also make progress against the Democrats. I thought he did an excellent job of that. People like Matt Gates uh, were basically saying he didn't get 100% of what he was looking for. Well, when you control uh, half of one-third of the government, uh, that's, uh, that doesn't give you that much leverage. I thought he maximized his leverage. He did an excellent job. And this is a dangerous precedent we've set if we can uh, – bring down a speaker with four or five malcontents. Well, that's uh, th- those numbers. Uh, you know, 96% of the Republicans voted together, and it is only be eight. Now, do you think uh, that those eight should be challenged in the next primary? I, I think they should, John. I think, uh, uh, to me, what they did was disgraceful. Uh, Kevin McCarthy did everything he could to accommodate them to uh, give in to a number of their demands, and it was never enough. And to me, you know, I guess maybe it's dangerous at this age to be talking about retaliation, but believe me, at the first opportunity, if I were there, I would, you know, I would retaliate. Uh, Get their votes first and do what has to be done. But ultimately, you know, it's it's a long road out there. Somewhere along the road, you can get retaliation, and that's what this was. This wasn't a moral or philosophical difference. It's not between two different wings of the party. It's between eight malcontents on the wing on the extreme wing of the party against 96% of the party, which is extremely conservative to begin with. And even among those eight, I mean, there are people a lot more conservative than them who voted to keep Kevin McCarthy in office. A lot of those eight, including Matt Gates, it's ego, it's uh, ego out of control. This is his moment in the sun. I mean, I was in Congress on Matt Gates. I never in a million years would have thought that he was the, that he would ever get enough support to bring down, for the first time in the history of the United States, the Speaker of the House. I mean, Matt Gates, nobody took him seriously. He was considered to be a, a showboat, almost a clown. Uh, and uh, yet now he's, he's getting equal billing with the Speaker of the House. It's absolutely shameful. And the Republicans better get their act together. And the Democrats... I think they made a mistake. They should have voted president and stayed out of this and said this was not a Democratic-Republican issue. It was a question of the institution of the House of Representatives. And the, to me, the tradition of the House, which really is 
is precedent, should be super precedent, is that uh, once the speaker is elected, remember, we can have an election within the party, and uh, it can be close, or it can be big, whatever it is. Once, once that person is nominated by the party and then is selected by the whole House, he has to have at least a two-year term. You can't be uh, having him subject to the whims because, especially in a closely divided Congress, it's never going to be easy to get anything done. You're going to have to make compromises, serious compromises to get it through. And if you're a guy like Matt Gates, all you do is focus on what was compromised, not on what was achieved. I mean, Matt Gates was setting up uh, Kevin McCarthy to failure. If uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, had uh, given in to uh, Republicans, uh, or, or not, rather, if, 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 if the government had shut down, because Matt Gates was not going to give him the votes to keep the government open. So if the government had shut down, he would have said that Kevin McCarthy couldn't get the job done. He was a failure. Then when Kevin McCarthy did keep the House open by working on a bipartisan agreement, they called him a traitor and a, a, a collaborator with the enemy. So uh, either way, Gates was going to go after McCarthy. When they talk about a collaborator with the enemy, when you have 4% of the party agree with 100% of the other party, that to me, that's who the collaborators are, those eight. Uh, I, I agree with you in it, uh, and uh, I still think that there's something, there's parts of that whole story we don't know where uh, maybe the, the reason he threw out Pelosi so fast, he had he thought he had a commitment uh, to uh, to vote the same way they voted on the budget. Yeah, I think, I, I believe Kevin on this, he claims that Nancy Pelosi, this was back in January when the Freedom Caucus said they wanted to have this right, to bring up the uh, uh, yeah, the motion to vacate, and Kevin went to Nancy Pelosi. He said, "This can be dangerous." And she said, "Don't worry about it. If that ever happens, we will vote president. We will we will stand with you." Because it's not that that's, that was not a Republican and Democratic issue. That was a vote for the institution of the House. And uh, so, by the fact that Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, who have been the Democratic leader, uh, once they went along with the vote to uh, uh, take Kevin down to speak. He felt betrayed. Listen, I was at a meeting a few weeks ago, and one of the speakers there was a, a Democrat from the uh, uh, Problem Solvers Caucus. Yes, and, and they betrayed him that, too. They didn't. They didn't split yeah. their vote. But he said that they would vote present, and yeah. because by, by voting present, then uh, Gates would not have got anywhere near a majority. He would have gotten wiped out. So uh, I understand Kevin's. Anger at that. Uh, and again, it, this goes beyond Republican or being Republican or Democrat. He's talking about you know, the institution of the House. It's, I voted against Bill Clinton's impeachment. Uh, you know, he was a Democrat and I was Republican. I did it because I felt it was undermining the, the, uh, the traditions of the country to be impeaching a, a, pers- a president, but at worst was a personal offense, not a crime, not a uh, high crime or misdemeanor, or not a betrayal of his office. And I feel the same now. This this should have involved the institution of the House, not a Republican or Democratic issue. Uh, Congressman Peter King, thank you for your uh, uh, service to our world, to our country, and and uh, continue you continue to speak out for our country. Thank you, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you, John. Hope to see you tomorrow night. This is the Catch Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. With us today is Senator Alfonso Amato, one of the uh, hardest-working senators we ever had, and uh, took care of New York State real good. 
Uh, Alphonse D'Amato, uh, Sunday morning. What are you doing today? Well, I'm getting ready for the big parade tomorrow, Monday, Columbus Day. I am proud to announce these wackadoos who want to do away with uh, Columbus statute, statutes of our great president, um, uh, our first Washington. president, yeah. Washington. They want to do away with that. We wouldn't have America today. It wouldn't be free if we didn't have George Washington, who led us in, 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 in the revolution, who overcame things you would never believe. Wake up. Be proud of our heritage. Don't try to tear at them. You know, John, they, they, they have legislation pending in, in Albany to do away with Columbus Day and make it uh, American in, in American Day uh, for Indigenous Americans. What a lot of nonsense. I, I mean, let's be proud of our heritage, of the heritage of everyone of this great country. And let's work to make this great country a safer place. Because we're not safe today. Open borders. And now this phony president uh, says... Oh, I'm gonna. We're gonna build a 40 mile extension, 40 miles of new border. Well, I couldn't do it before. He's so full of baloney. And and now I mean, I can't. I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't understand that statement he made uh, because he could. Uh, I mean, our, our country has been under invasion, and they haven't done anything yet. Well, it's only because even the ultra liberal Democratic mayors. Are begging him to do something. New York City's being wiped out. Chicago, wiped out. Los Angeles. What our our nation's capital, John? John, do you know that auto thefts in one year have gone up over a hundred percent, a hundred and five percent in our nation's capital? And just this past week, you had a congressman, a bunch of kids came stuck guns in his face, took his car away, and stole his car in Washington, D.C., This our nation's capital. Not even our, our, our Congress people are safe. Uh, a, a crime is rampant. And you know something else? Under this crazy thing, these open borders, and that's what we have. He can say we don't, but that's what we have. Not only are criminals piling over, not only are the drug cartels paying people to come uh, and getting paid off to bring people in, not only is fentanyl coming in, killing almost 100,000 people uh, uh, annually, um, but, but we are, are putting up these migrants in hotels. Now, our own citizens uh, uh, who may lose their jobs, who may be thrown out of their, their homes, etc., the places they're renting or whatever, we don't put them up in hotels. They put them, but if you're an illegal migrant, we put you up in New York City in a hotel. Incredible. Incre we don't do that for our own citizens. But here we do it for people who come into the country. Nobody, nobody can understand it. A senator, nobody can understand the stuff that is going on right now. 
and hopefully uh, this common sense has to prevail once in a while. I don't know. Our country's under attack. And let me tell you something else. This president is a disaster, and I've known him for 40-plus years. But, and I don't say this because I'm a Republican. I want to tell you something. That those Republicans who say, eh, I'm not going to vote for aid for the Ukraine, get the hell out of Congress. You shouldn't be there, you Don't you know what you're doing? You're, you're putting up the surrender flag. You're saying to China, don't worry, take Taiwan. Don't worry, take over the, the rest of the area that you haven't. Don't worry, because we're not going to stand up for our allies. You're sending a signal, you Any Republican who comes out and says he or she. By the way, if you want to see that the aid and put restrictions on it is spent properly, fine. Absolutely. I don't trust any of them. fact of the matter is that the European governments, why are they like big governments? Well, they're all on the take. But I want to tell you. Well, you the, are the, the, Washington, remember Alphonse, you, yeah. you, you're, uh, you know, you're just a few years older than me. And, and, and the fact is, we used to have an expression, something's rotten in Denmark. Well, yeah. it's not Denmark anymore. Something's rotten in Washington. John, you are so right. It smells. It stinks. And this guy, this one guy who's running to take over the leadership who says he won't vote for aid to Ukraine. Well, let me tell you something. I wouldn't vote for you for dog catcher, let alone be the next speaker. What the hell is wrong with you? If you want to say, I want to make sure. No, we, 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 we all agree. Food. We all agree. And, and uh, hopefully, you know the big problem in Washington, uh, Mr. Senator, and the problem I, you know, the common sense Democrats and common sense Republicans should be working together, and they're not doing it. You're right. You're right. And that's what they have to do. And, and the you know, that the no labels, the, the no labels people, we're supposed to work uh, towards that. But none of, the no, none of the no-labels Democrats voted for Kevin McCarthy. Well, guess what? Kevin McCarthy got shafted by, by eight idiots. And the, the, the guy leading the shafting, that guy is corrupt. That guy has, has escaped so far criminal charges for... for uh, um, prostitution or hanging with him and developing them and those ethics charges against them are still filing and I believe that's the reason because the speaker would not go along with burying the congressional investigation he led this thing and there he is oh I'm going to run uh, for a governor uh, in Florida when it comes up what a piece of crap he is. Yeah, we he, know. He we all agree. Hard. We all agree. Well, Alphonse uh, D'Amato, uh, we're almost out of time. we got 30 seconds left. What would you like to tell all America? Stand up for this country. Be proud of it. And make sure your Congress people support the Ukraine. 
make sure that the money is spent properly. I don't trust them. I wouldn't just send money over there. But don't give up on a fight for democracy. Because if we walk away again, this is Afghanistan all again. Then we're saying to Russia, to China, don't worry. The United States, they're big wins. They won't be there when these other countries need them. Senator Alphonse D'Amato, one of the best senators New York ever had. Thank you so much for this Sunday morning uh, brief chat. I'll see you on Monday at the Columbus Parade. We'll be marching together at our Columbus Day Parade. Italian-Americans, Greek-Americans, people who are proud of our country. Great to be with you, John. Thank you. Hey, Mambo, Mambo Italiano. Hey, hey Mambo, Mambo Italiano. Well, folks, tomorrow is Columbus Day, and there's a big parade on Fifth Avenue. Uh, with us today is Angelo Grivolo. He's a board member of the Columbus Citizens Foundation, and also with the Columbus Heritage Foundation. Uh, Angelo, welcome to uh, WABC, and tomorrow you get a big parade on, on Monday. Oh, hey, great being with you, John. Yes, on Monday we have the National Columbus Day Parade. We know that it's going to be tens of thousands of people across the country celebrating Columbus Day in the tri-state area, a lot of parades, but there'll be no bigger parade than the National Columbus Day Parade celebrated by the Columbus Citizens Foundation on Monday. And we're looking forward to 770 ABC being there along with us uh, re- and uh, talking about the parade. It's going to be a great day for everybody. Uh, WABC is going to carry it, uh, uh, and uh, 77 WABC between 12 and 1. Uh, uh, I know uh, Curtis Lee will be there. I'll be there. Uh, Senator Alphonse D'Amato is going to be there. Uh, and uh, we're all going to, uh, you know, Senator Alphonse D'Amato, one of the greatest senators we've had in New York, uh, is 100% Italian, and, and he defends the Italians. Now, all the banks are closed on Monday in New York. So why are they trying to take down the Columbus statue? Well, we, that, that is, uh, we have, can't understand that. There's no reason for that whatsoever. Uh, look, uh, we here, Monday's going to be a great celebration, not only for Italian-Americans, but for all Americans because of, of uh, the great discovery of Columbus and his initiative and what he did. And uh, we're so delighted, uh, John, that you've invited so many great people, Italians, and like like the great Senator Alphonse D'Amato and others who will be uh, on the parade site on Monday and, and talking about Columbus and Italian-American heritage and culture. Agreed 100%. And tell us, uh, what street does it start? What time does it start on, on uh, Columbus, uh, on, on Fifth Avenue? It, uh, starts at, uh, it starts at 12 noon, and it's uh, at 46th Street and Fifth Avenue, and it goes all the way uptown to 72nd Street. Uh, we'll have uh, over 30,000 people marching. We'll have 100 different participants uh, from all over, not only all over the, the, the metropolitan area, but also valuable and very important guests from, from Italy. Uh, so it's going to be a grand day, and uh, let's hope that the weather is good and we'll have a couple of hundred thousand people on the sidelines on Fifth Avenue watching the great National Columbus Day Parade. And WABC is going to be broadcasting it on WABCradio.com and on your iPhone app, 77 WABC. And, and we appear in 50 states and 173 countries. Oh, my God. And uh, I look forward to, to talking to you on the air on Monday on Columbus Avenue. 
on the best avenue in the, in the world, Fifth Avenue. Hey, John, I don't know how to thank you. Uh, you're just incredible to do this. Uh, you and Margot support this this very important day for Italian-Americans, and uh, God bless you for all that well, you do. Well, I'm 28% Italian, so <laughs> God bless, and, and I love the food, and I love Italian food. Uh, God bless you, and God bless for everything you do, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you on Monday morning. Looking forward to it. Thank you, John. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us today is uh, Edward Romaine, and he's running for Suffolk County uh, Executive. And uh, today, on uh, well, actually on Friday, he was endorsed by the uh, Police Benevolent Association of Suffolk County. Uh, Ed Romaine, uh, tell us what's going on. What's going on is in this race, not only has the PBA, but the Detectives Association, the Superior Officers, Correction Officers, Deputy Sheriffs, uh, Suffolk Police Conference, and the State Police Conference have all endorsed my candidacy. All law enforcement, I am happy and proud to say, is supporting me because my desire to keep the residents of my county safe. And uh, so you got all the law enforcement agencies uh, to endorse you, which uh, I guess Suffolk County is going to be in law and order uh, county. I hope so, absolutely. Uh, my opponent is uh, running on a working families as well as a Democratic line, and as you know, they are supporting defunding the police, uh, cashless bail, and clean slate for felons, things I don't support. Obviously, uh, law enforcement is concerned about the future of the county and about keeping our county safe and keeping the crime rate down, and that's one of the reasons that they have endorsed me um, and obviously, as John, as, as we've discussed in the past, I've told you that I don't believe Suffolk County should be a sanctuary county. Uh, I see what it's doing to the city. I, I can't believe it. Our president should be closing the borders, should be securing our borders, and vetting any of the migrants that come into our country. Look, we're a nation of immigrants. We all come from different places. But you cannot have open borders. You have to have checks and balances of who's coming and going. And I said that to uh, President Clinton when I spoke to him last week, and he was on our radio show. Uh, even, oh, even he said, he said you have to ch- have checks and balances. Just like uh, when my forefathers, my grandfathers came, there was Ellis Island. And you know, they, would, Island. They, they would yeah. check. Yeah, we need, I, I uh, said to the mayor, Mayor Adams, they should take uh, Rikers Island, rename it Ellis Island, and put everybody over there and let them, you know, checks and balances, make sure we don't have terrorists, make sure we don't have uh, uh, drug dealers, and make sure we don't have sick people entering our uh, uh, our system. Uh, I had Dr. Michalos on uh, uh, before, and Dr. Michalos says the tuberculosis cases coming in from uh, mostly the migrants probably, it's the worst it's ever been, and it's making our kids in schools sick. Uh, public health is a major thing, and that's absolutely true. It's also the southern borders where most of the fentanyl comes in. And I can tell you, in Suffolk County, we had 399 deaths from fentanyl last year. And nationwide, we had 70,000 deaths. More people died from fentanyl last year in the United States than in the Vietnam War. I mean, this is something that should worry us all. With the drugs coming in over the southern border, the human trafficking, um, 
people who are car- carrying diseases, uh, people who have criminal records. We have an open border where we're having thousands of people just pour into it every day. Now, that doesn't mean we're opposed to immigration. We just want a more orderly process and not open borders. Well, everybody agrees with that. And uh, uh, Well, Ed Romaine, Suffolk County, uh, uh, you're running for Suffolk County executive. If, if I lived out there, I'd be voting for you. Thank you very much for coming on. And anything else you want to tell all the people in, uh, in our city, our state, our country, our county? Yes. John, you've lived there for 40 years in the summer. And on weekends, we're going to make you an honorary citizen the next time you're in this county. You've lived here longer than just about anywhere else. God bless you. Thank you, uh, Ed Romaine, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you. Thank and you, now honey. we got Jim McGreevy calling in. We finally found him. You were missing in action. We were going to call the uh, New Jersey State Police. Hey, John, good, good to be with you and good to be with Rita. Now, I have to ask you the $64 million question, Governor, because you know how much we love you. Are you going to run for Jersey City Mayor or not? What's ahead for you? Well, I'm, I'm just uh, thanks so much, Rita, and thank you to to John. But I'll make a decision, you know, before Thanksgiving. But you know, I'm, I'm out there, and, and John knows this, and you are just out there in the community and and looking at Jersey City, and 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 there's some really good positive things that are happening, but also making sure that Jersey City stays affordable and we move forward in the right direction. So I'll make a decision before Thanksgiving, but I'll be sure to call you and John before I do anything. Good. I, I, by the way, I'll be your press secretary. How's that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, I don't think... I, I, I think you're like at least two or three steps above my uh, pay grade. Yeah, you, you heard about my price. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Let judge, judge Weinberg. <laughs> Governor, good yeah, to talk to you again. Listen, I think uh, you should really consider the United States Senate. And I have, uh, I have no problem helping in that campaign. Thank you, Judge. You know, but, you know, I think the great thing, and John knows this, the great thing about the local level is you can get real stuff done. You can, you know, make a city safer. You can help. You know, make a city cleaner. You can you can make schools work better. You know, work for affordability, attract businesses, and it's just I think, Judge, you can roll up your sleeves if you work hard. You can bring about real dramatic change on the local level. So I, I think the city level is what I don't know. It, it just what it, it, what makes you feel good, and you can see real change that that impacts people's lives. I don't know. It sounds like you're running. What do you think, well, go- Governor, Governor McGreevy? Whatever you run for, I will support you. But if it helps you more, if I support your your opponent, I'll support your opponent. <laughs> John, I'm, I'm counting on you for you know like the the, the Greek vote, uh, but uh, no, but I, I just and and John, you know this radio station, I. When I talk to it, you know, it's so funny. My friend, Mario Costa, who, who runs uh, the ringside in the White Manager City, a hamburger joint, and I was on the morning radio show, and he said, Jim, I got wiped out. Everybody came in to buy my hamburgers. They're all WABC listeners. He goes, so I want you to know they, they come through the Holland Tunnel, but they're also in Jersey. You've got a number of devoted listeners, and your demographics show that, John. Yes, forty percent of our listeners are in New Jersey, so we have a big demographic. Yeah, huge audience. Yeah, Thank huge. You. Jim McGreevy. Growing, yeah. Let's. We're going to catch up real soon. Good to hear your voice. All right. Thanks, John. Give my love to Margo, and thank you. And thank. I will you, do guys. that. Thank you. 
Thank you for being with us for the Cats Roundtable Local Edition, the number one show on Sunday mornings in New York. Keep listening to us for the Cats Roundtable National Edition between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. So we'll be back to you in a few minutes after the news. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 